name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today's Gospel we see something that humanity has done from the beginning, and that they were doing at the time of Christ, and that we still do today, which is, we stop asking what is the point of a thing, and just do what we're comfortable with. And when we do what we're comfortable with, we form groups, because we forget what the point is, and so we start labeling groups to justify our own group, and forget what the main purpose or head of the main, the main goal of something is. So in the time of Christ, we see that the Pharisees and the priests have formed their own their own clique or clique for for you guys where they're they have the the source of knowledge in their hands and they run the people in their own way and the law had a point right the law they didn't invent the law they they didn't invent some of the law um but the moral law and the tradition of the temple was given them to by god it wasn't something that they made up but even when something was given to them that didn't make it difficult for them to stray from it. And so they started to be able to control the people to some extent, or at least to control the environment that, that they are in. If you want to be part of this club, right, that this is how you're supposed to do it. So naturally, there's also in every community people who will rise up and say, we don't like this. Um, sometimes they're inspired by God. Sometimes they're inspired by themselves. Um, and sometimes... They're sent by God, and sometimes they, they send themselves. In this case of what we're reading, St. John the Baptist was sent by God, right? St. John the Baptist was called from within his mother's womb, right, with their message. Um, God actively saved him from death because every child of his age and generation was murdered, right, by the king, except for himself and Christ, Right, is that Herod had sent out a decree killing all of the kids born um, during that period because he wanted to make sure that there was no chance of being the Messiah. Either way, John was saved by an angel from the sanctuary right, and taken into the desert where we know very little about his raising other than that he lived an ascetic life. That's why St. John is considered one of the intercessors of the monastics, St. John the Baptist and Elijah. And so... He lived out there. All we know is the little bit that he tells us, which is that he was told by the person who sent him, right, whether that was God or an angel, that who he sees the Spirit descending upon, this is the one that he's foretelling. This is, and that this is his ministry to prepare for him. So John always had in mind what was his mission. But sometimes we join a club because we don't like another club, right? So we see here that John had his own disciples, um, and actually... There's a, a strong tradition that John the Evangelist had been one of those disciples, um, as well as Peter, and that they left and joined the Lord after. And the disciples start arguing, right? So sometimes we see that people will have a, a philosophy that they start, and their philosophy is based on anti-another philosophy. So these people are joining John saying, we like this guy, he tells off the leaders, we don't like the leaders. So this guy must be good. But instead of paying attention to what is the message of this guy, right, who happens to be the, the greatest born among women, um, 
is that they're they're not as interested in his message as much as his as his position as their new leader, right? And we have a cultural tendency to like to gather around charismatic people, right? Of people who who exhibit gifts. And so they're upset, right? Even though John had had a specific mission, they're upset because they're coming to John and saying, that guy that that you baptized is now having his own disciples and doing his own ministry. And so they're arguing about him. Who can this guy be? What does he think he's doing? They're not even questioning, for example, why they themselves formed a group, right? Because somebody somewhere was saying the same thing about their group. Why are you going about baptizing people? Why are you going about um, and saying things? And so we see this often in the service, because I want us to meditate a little bit on on not just service, but on our service to God generally, not just specifically in the church, uh, but the nature of it. The service, for some reason, is a place where there's always lots of disputes, right? It says there arose a dispute among them. Fighting is so common within the church, outside of the church, inside the service, everywhere we go, people like to fight. Um, and so in this case, we see what are the rules, is what they're asking. Um, what is the nature of the service? Who got to define the service? Who thinks he has the right to have that? And we need to ask, what are we, what are we fighting about? Right? Often if we see someone doing something differently from us, we're not put at we're not put at ease. So we lose our objectivity, right? Because what's happening here is you join your little relativistic club and treat this relativistic club as the absolute, right? Self-proclaimed. And we see that the disciples of Christ do the same later on, right? Because later on the disciples of Christ get upset when they see people casting out demons and doing miracles in the name of the Lord. And they said to Christ, we found these guys doing this stuff in your name, but they're not in your club, so we told them they had to stop, right? And Christ didn't say, oh, good job, well done, um, you're, you're, you guys are the best. He said to them, why are you stopping them? He goes, this power doesn't come from them. They're not against us, they're with us, right? Is that we have this tendency always to be divisive. And the main reason for this divisiveness is ego, Right? The one you testified of, is what they're saying to John, indicating that John has to be superior because he came first, right? Because you came first, and because you did the action of washing, therefore, since you did the action on this other person, this guy is lesser, right? That means that this person isn't isn't there. And sometimes we do this in in the service. Let's say someone that we like says something first, if we have a, a particular person that we're, we're, we're fond of, and then someone else says the same thing, instead of just saying, oh, that's beautiful, that they believe the same thing, that we, we acknowledge the same truth, it'll be, oh, he must have heard you say it, right? Or it's a good thing that he thinks like you, right? Instead of it being about the thing being true, it becomes about the person um, that we hold in, in high esteem, and so their, their zeal for St. John was, look, that guy that you bigged up, that you made um, prominence, he's doing stuff, and, and we know that you're the better one. We know that you're the greater one. In other words, what they're actually really worried about is, you know, we're losing fans, right? We're, we're losing our following, because St. John had a very, 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 very big following, right? People didn't... People who were not in the main club were loving St. John. Because finally somebody was telling the normal people, there's hope for you, 
right? And that God doesn't doesn't hate you. And we do this as well. Sometimes someone is a is a good preacher, and so the youth like go from one church to another, and it's another Orthodox church, and we get upset. What are we going to do? Our youth aren't coming to the meeting. Well, what is the objective of your meeting? If the person is getting food, we should be happy, right? That somebody has been granted this charisma, right? That is, that is able to serve someone that we might not be able to serve as um, effectively. Sometimes a whole bunch of people leave one parish to another because they love a service, whether it's to the poor or to the elderly or something they can relate to. This is good, right? Is that we're, we're supposed to be on the same side, right? We shouldn't be saying, oh, look, you gave them the faith Right, you labored with them, and you did all this stuff with them, and they went um, and served somewhere else. Right? What is the objective? Because if it's about the leader and not about the the goal which we're going to come to, then we won't really know how to assess things. Right? We won't know where it's going. And this is why the service, our, our lives, our service to Christ, our ministry to Christ, and our daily lives has to be always Christocentric or theocentric. It has to always revolve around. Christ our God. St. John, unlike his disciples, because he was a good leader, because he was a true servant, and his ministry was, was, was actually pure and not tainted um, by his own ego, St. John was not distracted by the noise. Right? He wasn't even swayed by the flattery of his own disciples. He wasn't like, yeah, you know, I'm really, I'm really bummed out about it, or I'm really like sad that this is happening. I'm glad that you guys are with me still. Right? Instead... John keeps his objectivity, right? St. John looks at them and says, nobody can do stuff like that, right? Unless their power is from heaven, right? Nobody can walk around doing miracles. So you've, you're missing out, right? Even within you, this new faith community, you're missing out on the obvious that this man that you're upset is baptizing is doing miracles. So that's not normal, guys, is what he's saying. You can't do stuff like that. You can only do things like that if God is with you, if God is the one giving it to you. So why is it that you want to compete with him? I already told you, this is what he says to them, I already told you, I'm not the Messiah. I was being explicit about that from day one. I said that there is coming one who is greater than me. So why are you shocked? Why are you surprised that he really is? I wasn't joking, right? This was my mission, was to tell you that this greater one is coming. He is the anointed of God. And this teaches us that a real servant, a real, a real disciple of Christ, is not trying to work for his or her own name. A real servant keeps his eyes on the truth, and the truth is Christ, right? I remember as... As a youth, I was very attached to my, my father of confession. Like, really, really attached to him. I thought he was, he was the best thing since, since our Lord and St. Anthony. Um, and one time in, in, in zeal, I said to him, um, I wonder what happens if, if for some reason, we didn't have a bishop at the time, the Pope moves you um, to another church. What do I do? Because I have parents still, so I can't um, just get up and move to another city and, and go to another church. And I thought Abuna was going like, to be like all happy that I'm telling him how much I, I care about him. And he looked at me with this like short of disgust look um, and said, it has nothing to do with me. right? I told you that this is about Christ. right? So you follow Christ, you don't follow me. 
If I get sent to another city, I get sent to another city, you stay right put and you continue the ministry of Christ. Right? Is that his his eyes were on who he was taking me to. His eyes were not on what is this person's relationship to me. Right? How popular am I? How much do people love me? How much do people think of me? His was on Christ. And so we need to ask, what is the reason for your good deeds? Is it prestige? Right? Is it wealth? Is it money? Is it hookups? Um... When you, when you outreach people, if you do, is it because you want to return them to Christ or is it to build a name for yourself? Or is it to feel good that somebody loves you and or trusts you, right? What is your goal? Sometimes, again, these things can happen as a side effect, right? But that can't be why we do it, right? The reason has to be objective. It has to be in Christ. And the objective of everything we do, everything we do, is Christ, Marriage, friendships, work, play, everything is about Christ. Everything is about the reality that we are His, that we did not make ourselves. As we read in the epistle earlier, we love Him because He first loved us, and that we want Him, that He is the goal. Straying from that goal on any level means that we are straying from an absolute it means that we're attaching ourselves and leading ourselves based on something finite. And that means that we will never have fulfillment. If my joy, if my goal, if my aim is something that is in of itself something that is relative, something that has a meaning only based on something else, I'm never going to have absolute fulfillment. Because I can lose my fame with the slightest thing. I can lose my fame by making a simple mistake, right? Or I can lose my fame by somebody more cool than me coming up. I can lose my wealth in a single day from a hurricane. I can lose my strength in a single day from an accident. I can lose my profession in a single day from somebody's lie. So if I have anything that I'm using that's meant to be a means to the goal, becoming my end, I will never have or achieve fulfillment. And this is true even of the church. If a church focuses on anything other than Christ, it's a church that will lose, right? If a church focuses on activities for the sake of activities, this church will lose. We can try and make activities, we can try and play games, we can buy buildings, but the world will always do whatever we're doing better, except Christ, right? No matter what it is. Sometimes we think, oh, if we build a gym, we'll keep our our youth. Well, the, the world has better gyms than ours, no matter what you do, right? The kids can find something more entertaining than what we do, because we're not looking for something to be entertaining even of itself. Everything is about is about Christ. And so what we need to ask ourselves is, do we do we look for us being Christ's anointed ones? Because what that means is to be consecrated, to be put aside, right? That's why we consecrate vessels, why we consecrate the altars. It's saying that once this is consecrated, it belongs only to God. It can't be used for anything else. All of you have been consecrated, right? Your, your sealing with the Myrun is your personal consecration, of God saying that I now belong solely and wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely to God and God alone. 
I don't belong to anybody else. And that the goal and objective of everything has to be in line with that. Because what I use now of this consecrated body is an offense to the thing it was made. Imagine if we took this altar and just stripped off the thing and decided to have a barbecue on it. We would all have a sense of, of, of gra graveness about it, that something wrong happened. But this is what you have been consecrated. The same oil that consecrates the altar, you have been consecrated with. This is something that you have been put aside with. And so we need to consecrate ourselves. We need to remember the objective of why we were made. right? We name, we name churches in, in the names of, of saints and of events and altars so that we can remember how people did this well. right? If we look at, at this new blessed church, right? we have different models and examples of how people consecrated their lives to God that we ought to always put before us. Last night we talked about the great Saint Anthony, right? If there was no Saint Anthony, there wouldn't have been a Saint Basil um, because he was a monk. Um, but Saint Anthony looked at how can I give you everything? How can I show you that nothing matters more, right? I'm going to give you my whole life, my whole being. I had riches. I'm not going to take them. I'm laying them down. I already had them. It's not something, it was not a, a potential I could get rich. It was I am rich. But I want you more, right? I choose you first. I could get married. I could. There's nothing wrong with marriage. I want you more. I could eat. I could drink. I can do all these things people do. I don't want to because I want you more. And what was the consequence of this? Is that we saw in him the purity of the life of holiness, right? We saw somebody who, whose very presence, just looking at him, one of the monks said, would bring him comfort. Right, God fills him with a divine grace. You look at someone like Saint Basil, right, who said, "You know what? I also come from a rich upbringing, but I only want to know about what matters." So his education, everything was geared towards knowing his God more, right? And then not being able to keep that knowledge to himself, right? That even as a as a monk, he developed a model of service that we're trying to reconstruct today. Right? From within his monastery, he had hospitals. He was serving the sick of the people. From within his monastery, he operated schools so that the people would have access to education. All of this in the Lord. Right? That loving the Lord doesn't rule out all these things. And if those are too extreme, then look at our 21 martyrs of Libya. Right? These were your everyday folk living in our own time, my own age and younger, okay? who we're going to Libya just to make money for their family, right? They were not people who were theologians, right? They come from Samulut um, in, in Minya, okay? They were not of the high class from there. They were not people who, who could sit there and talk to you about why they believe in the Trinity or how Christ is one. They couldn't tell you any of those things. What they knew is that their life and their purpose was all about God. Their going to make money wasn't about a pursuit of, of wealth. It was to care for their families. But their consecration, their anointing came first. Because when they were asked to choose, do you want your money or do you want your God? Do you want your family or do you want your God? They said, we want our God. Right? They were tortured. These people were not just... You know, had a one-day question, hey, what's your choice, and, and do it. they were tortured, right? In the same way that Abba Kalog, like we read about, was tortured. They had brutal 
um, encounters with these people who hated who hated them for what they were, to the point that just like the ancient Sunaksar readings that we read, where somebody sees them grab, running a crown, runs for it, that there was only twenty really from Samalot, and the the twenty first from Chad, right, saw them and said, "Their God is my God." He was so moved by their zeal that they weren't shaken by these other things. They didn't forget their consecration. If any of these people put their lives before Christ, if they lost their Christocentricity, they would not be who they are today. And their holiness and their, wit- and their witness, their martyr, this is why God allows the saints to do miracles, is to tell us, yes, this is right. This life is right. Okay, that this life is what brings you unity with me. That's why I'm allowing them to do these things. Last week was the, the feast of Amba um, Yusef al-Abah, of, of Pope of, of Metropolitan Joseph of Girga, um, who was a theologian in our church 200 years ago, whose body is incorrupt till this day, right? His body is, is wrapped with a, a, a linen that hugs his body so that people can see that his body is, is incorrupt. And on his feast, they process him around the church to show the people this is what the life of holiness does. It surpasses nature, it surpasses understanding, it surpasses laws. Everything, whether it's your law or your nature even, is subject to Christ, is Christocentric, bows to the Lord of hosts who made them. May God grant us to remember Christ above all, for Christ to be our goal, that we can say with genuineness of heart, like St. John the Baptist, that it's not about me, it's about him, that he needs to increase and I need to decrease. Glory be to our God forever and ever and unto the age of all ages. Amen. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net that's www.stbasil.net or click on the link below and it will take you to our donations page. You may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website. We thank you for any contribution and may our Lord Jesus Christ always bless your heart and home.